0: Coming up on We Talk News this week, Oregon state researchers have discovered that some cannabinoids created in a lab just might be able to impact COVID's growth. But don't bogart that joint just yet. Research is not reality. We'll talk with our medical director, Dr. Mary Clifton. Plus, Germany prepares for their cannabis market to launch. And California continues to make tax adjustments in the nation's largest market for weed. And... One of the nation's first legal states, Washington, lays down the law on Delta 8. All that and more on We Talk News with Elena Pinto, next on PCM TV and Pro Cannabis Media. Pro Cannabis Media programming and PCM TV is supported by Revolutionary Clinics, Massachusetts' number one medical dispensary where the patient comes first. And by Salient Systems for Video Surveillance. You've got regulations. Salient has solutions for your security needs. And by Accounting Buds, your number one CPA specialist for the cannabis industry. And by Artery Pay. Easy, cheap, fun, and legal. Just like cannabis should be. We are Pro Cannabis Media.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media and welcome to this week's episode of Weed Talk News. Our top story this week is the one on everyone's lips, including just about every media outlet in the world. A new study from researchers at Oregon State University found specific compounds in cannabis may be able to prevent COVID-19 from entering cells. This headline spread across the internet like wildfire, with stoners everywhere taking to social media to share the same, looks like this is why I haven't caught COVID, joke. But if you read the study, you'll find the researchers found no benefits from smoking weed. Instead, the magic is in some of the other cannabinoids we don't always talk about. Our medical director, Dr. Mary Clifton explains that this study has nothing to do with the impact of smoking weed, but rather how researchers stumble upon medical marvels in the lab
2: we're accumulating quite a bit of research in the laboratory, not really in the human model, but in the laboratory that that talks about the immune modulating effects of cannabis. And so what I really want people to hear from this study is that there are components that we have known for a long time that, that modulate the immune system and help with an adequate and appropriate immune response when you're using cannabis. But what companies do when they're trying to design a product is they, they take you know, a molecule of interest and then look at all of the molecules around that molecule of interest and start to study them they you know run inflammatory mediator markers they run markers for you know blood counts in case it may help with anemia they'll run markers for all kinds of conditions that they think that molecule might work on and then they have a result like this where this particular molecule appears to have a specific uh, benefit but you don't need to race to the internet and find a producer for this exact molecule you know what the best thing to do is to continue to consume the whole plant continue to use the flower or use an edible that's made from a full spectrum plant so that you can get some of this product along with what we just have to assume are a whole bunch of other really good compounds for you in in the whole flower
1: Those compounds are infinite throughout the cannabis plant, more than 300 that we know of so far. We already know the impact of some of those cannabinoids have on their own. And we're starting to understand how those specific elements of the plant can have an impact on the way our body experiences its benefits.
2: A lot of that has to do with the presence or absence of different minor cannabinoids. And now we've identified, you know, with with some certainty that there are some other minor cannabinoids that work particularly well to help you to not get uh, infected.
1: If anything, this study gives merit to the reasons why scientists should be able to study the whole plant under federal law with fewer restrictions. Some new national and state surveys on cannabis show large support for medical or recreational legalization. But that's not exactly how the findings of the polls from Emerson College are being presented. Vote Pro Podcasts, Phil Adams reports from Washington, D.C.
3: Hi, I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcasts, and this is the Weed Talk News D.C. Report. A national survey by a group opposed to legalization finds that a large majority of Americans favor legalizing cannabis. The poll, funded by prohibitionist group Smart Approaches to Marijuana, asked respondents to express their preferences among four options. Full adult-use legalization was preferred by a plurality of 38%, followed by legalization for medical use at 30%. 19% favored decriminalization, and full prohibition was the choice of only 14%. SAM then presented its findings by juxtaposing full legalization against the combination of the other three, quote, non-legalization options. The effect was to make it appear as if proponents of legalization were in the minority. In a press release, SAM President Kevin Sabit said their poll shows public support for legalization to be, quote, a false narrative. However, the fact that medical cannabis is a form of legalization Means that fully 68% of respondents to the SAM poll actually preferred some form of legalization. This latter figure is in line with numerous other surveys, including a November 2021 Gallup poll, which also found 68% of Americans supporting cannabis legalization. Director of National Intelligence Avril Haynes said in an internal memo that a history of recreational cannabis use should not automatically disqualify an applicant for security clearance. In the document issued last month, the DNI offered clarification on several topics involving security clearances and the legalization of recreational marijuana in several states. The memo emphasizes that cannabis use remains federally illegal, but notes that past recreational use, quote, should not be determinative in making adjudicative decisions. Virginia lawmakers remain divided on what, if anything, to do about the 10 people still serving prison terms for cannabis convictions. When Virginia legalized adult use of cannabis last year, the question of resentencing provisions was left unresolved. According to the Virginia Department of Corrections, all 10 are scheduled to be released within the next six years. Another 560 people are serving sentences only partially related to marijuana Having also been convicted of more serious offenses. With the GOP now holding the governor's mansion and a slim majority in the House of Delegates, Republicans have not tipped their hands about how they plan to approach the issue, aside from offering their assurances that they will not seek to repeal legalization. That's the We Talk news from Inside the Beltway for this week. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast.
1: The renewed surge of the coronavirus is taking its toll on people, but the supply chain issues stemming from the beginning pandemic are now hitting cannabis suppliers even harder. Many businesses already facing labor shortages and high taxes are now having to reassess and revamp operational strategy due to costs impacted by the supply chain. Cara Supply, one of the world's largest distributors of pre-rolls, saw its container shipping costs jump from $3,000 to $25,000, an increase of 773%. This could mean that certain products on your dispensary shelf may be pricey for some time to come. For more happening this week, Deborah Borchardt has our Green Market Report.
4: I'm Deborah Borchart, and this is the Weed Talk News Business Update from the Green Market Report. Tilray stock jumped this week when the company turned in a solid earnings report for the second fiscal quarter with revenue increasing about 20% to $155 million versus last year's $129 million. Hydroponic Grown Generation announced revised full-year 2021 revenue expectations of between $420 million and $422 million. That is a way better number than last year's $193 million. But the important news here was that they said that same store sales are expected to decline in the fourth quarter by 12.3%. And that follows other hydroponic companies like Hydrofarm and Scott's Miracle Grow that also warned of slowing sales in the fourth quarter. Finally, Leapley Holdings and the Cannabis SPAC Merida Merger Corp. 1 announced that they have entered into a $30 million note agreement. But what is more important in here is that Merida postponed the member voting on the SPAC, which had originally planned to close at the end of December. Now, this is causing a lot of people to predict that the deal might not happen and could result in what is known as a de-SPACing. And this has been your business update from the Green Market Report. I'm Deborah Borchardt. News worthy of a chef's kiss. Officials in Italy say advocates
1: have gathered enough signatures to place a marijuana legalization referendum on the country's ballot this spring. There's a few more hurdles to get over before that vote can happen, but the marijuana movement in Europe is clearly growing. With that, let's check in with Stephen Arthur-George for our European report.
5: I'm Stephen Arthur-George with Kai Advisors in Lisbon, Portugal. This is the European cannabis report for weed talk news German government officials start talking details of legalization. The current spike in COVID cases has caused some delays, but conversations continue around adult use cannabis regulations in Germany. it's still not clear where adult use cannabis will be dispensed and pharmacies are still in the discussion, regardless it sounds like there will be strict requirements for retail location staff. It does look like they will hand out some cultivation and manufacturing license as well, but the details are not yet clear. Furthermore, in Germany, Cantourage introduces Uganda flour to German patients. EU GMP is the golden standard for products entering the EU medical cannabis market, and has been an obstacle for many cultivators. This week, German cannabis company Cantourage announced it would be introducing some flour into the market, which was cultivated in Uganda. This is exciting news and means more and more opportunities will open for cannabis cultivated outside of Europe to enter Europe. On that same note, St. Vincent Island cultivators prepare for first export to Europe. The government recently announced it would export its first shipment of medical cannabis to Europe. The cannabis flower is also said to be destined for Germany, Europe's largest importer of medical cannabis. The global movement of cannabis for medical purposes is growing rapidly and Europe is becoming the target importer as regulations soften across member states. That's the European Cannabis Report. I'm Stephen Arthur George from Kai Advisors reporting for Weed Talk News.
1: Back in the U.S., a battle royale over a bill in Washington state. The state's Liquor and Cannabis Board is requesting a change to legalization that would explicitly prohibit the sale of intoxicating materials derived from hemp. That would mean no Delta-8 sales in Washington. And while some cannabis companies think it's a necessary ban, others argue it would stifle a budding industry. So industry movers will have to see how that shakes out. Josh Kincaid has the rest of our Washington report. I'm
6: Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge with the Washington State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Washington's New Year legislative and regulatory priorities include removing the excise tax for medical patients. This will not only help patients acquire their medicine at a more reasonable cost, but it'll incentivize retailers to carry the Department of Health compliant products and incentivize producers and processors to grow and manufacture DOH compliant and medical products. Currently, patients in Washington State utilizing cannabis to help with their conditions must pay a 37% excise or a sin tax on their medicine. Not only is this fundamentally wrong, but it creates several additional consequences, such as forcing patients to use cheaper products since they can't afford the higher quality and more costly items or worse, It forces them to seek their medicine on the illicit market. Next week, you guys are going to find out about D8 and how synthesized cannabinoids appear to be among the top concerns for Washington State's Liquor and Cannabis Board, according to the Cannabis Observer. But with that, we're going to have to roll up this Washington State Cannabis Report. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Heads reporting for Weed Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out.
1: The legal market in California is on the brink of some hard times. Raids continue to happen on businesses not licensed by local municipalities. And now the entire state industry seems to be revolting against the current cannabis tax structure. But Governor Gavin Newsom says he's open to rethinking the taxes the state imposes on growers and purchasers. And with more from the Golden State, here's Christopher Smith with our California report.
7: Hey, thanks for the intro. Here's the California Roundup for Weed Talk News. California Governor Gavin Newsom says he's going to look into fixing the mess in the largest cannabis market in the world, which is getting pummeled by a perverse origami of expensive and complex regulations, too many farms, too few retailers, and taxes that are so high they're driving growers into the ground and buyers into the arms of illicit operators. Newsom has signaled he's open to rethinking the taxes that the state levels on marijuana growers and purchases. Now, how sure am I that the Golden State does not need Cali's cannabis cash? U.S. News & World Report projects that the Sacramento skimmers are scheduled to shunt a surplus of $31 billion this year, on top of $76 billion surplus from last year. The coffers are full, Governor. Give us a break. Or remember, not only do Californians buy billions in weed, they also vote. In the 20 years since Sarah Rodriguez was hit with a felony for weed, she became the first in her family to go to college, and in June graduated from UCLA with a master's master's degree in social welfare. But even though the 2018 legalization laws were promised to speed up the process of expungement, Rodriguez still has a felony on her record, which is a potential black mark for employers and the state Social Work Licensing Board. Rodriguez is but one of at least 34,000 marijuana records that have not been fully processed by the California courts. Some claim the slow pay stems from the stigma of reefer madness, or COVID, or the bias of the legal system, or just a lax approach to the situation because it mostly affects black and brown people. Said Sean Lafour, an organizer with the group All of Us or None, for those 21,000 people in Riverside or 5,400 people in San Bernardino, they deserve to have their lives back. YouTuber-turned-pugilist Logan Paul bawled about his bummer of a new year on Instagram this week. The great white mope who now makes his living taking fists to the face Complained that he'd kicked weed on Christmas Eve, but he's been having some pretty nasty withdrawals. Loss of appetite, insomnia, and extreme irritability. I wonder what else could explain such symptoms to a guy with knots for knuckles who's also ahead. Maybe he should take a break from the sweet science and Google concussion to find some of the very same symptoms. And I'm Christopher Smith from the American Cannabis Report, sending California Peace and Pacalolo for Weed Talk News.
1: New year, new rules. At least that's what the state of Florida is hoping for its medical marijuana program. With a legislative session kicking off this week, lawmakers hope to pass bipartisan reform on the medical weed. The new proposal would reduce costs for people by requiring fewer doctor's visits, allow patients to keep their registration cards for two years instead of one, and give people the option to use telehealth to refill their prescriptions. Heather Allman has the rest of the week's Florida Report. Heather?
8: From Cannabis Law Report, I'm Heather Allman with this week's Florida Report for We Talk News. Using over 35 years of data, Florida Polytechnic University released a new report examining highway traffic fatalities in legal cannabis states. The research team discovered that no significant changes occurred in fatal car accident trends after enactment of adult use laws. In fact, states with medical marijuana programs showed a decrease in fatal accidents. In other news, Florida Highway Patrol seized 125 pounds of cannabis stuffed in suitcases during a traffic stop for improper window tint occurring near the Jacksonville airport. A strong odor of cannabis was detected by troopers upon approaching the vehicle, and after baggage claim tickets were connected to the seized luggage, state investigators believed the marijuana was smuggled from the West Coast. Two men were arrested and both faced felony charges of marijuana trafficking and smuggling. Also this past week, state lawmakers returned to their chambers for the 2022 session. And sure enough, cannabis debates continue regarding THC potency limits and access to telemedicine. To the disappointment of many Floridians, the DeSantis emergency order implementing telemedicine for the state's doctors and patients has expired. However, in response to the widening gulf between public policy and reality, Republican Senator Manny Diaz is sponsoring House Bill 679 to reverse the ban on telemedicine, while two of his fellow representatives are still pushing for that THC potency cap. Floridians who want to make their voice count should contact their local and state representatives. That's a wrap for Florida Cannabis this week. I'm Heather Allman from Cannabis Law Report for Weed Talk News.
1: Arizona making big bucks off adult use cannabis sales. A new report showing that the state's legal weed sales set a new record in November, topping $60 million for the first time. In the first 11 months of 2021, both medical and adult use sales combined brought in $1.2 million. And it's not just sales growing in numbers. Last month, the state received more than 1,500 applications for social equity industry licenses. So who's to say where the boom in bud is coming from? Another state seeing sales soar is Michigan. And with that story and more from the Great Lakes, let's check in with Michigan Normal Executive Director, Rick Thompson.
9: Hello again, everyone. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's begin. Michigan's regulated market sold $1.79 billion worth of cannabis during 2021. According to Director Andrew Brisboe, of the Marijuana Regulatory Agency. I interviewed him yesterday, along with a cast of 420 Post, and he did have some eye-popping numbers to share. Now, these figures are for calendar 2021, not fiscal 2021, so they may vary from some other reporting on the subject. During 2021, the medical marijuana program sold $481 million, and the adult use program $1.3 billion during the calendar year, December's numbers set a record at $135 million in adult use sales, despite a 47% decrease in consumer price for an ounce of adult use cannabis year to date. Cannabis is currently being sold in 432 adult use retail centers and 458 provisioning centers for medical marijuana. The adult use industry experienced a 290% increase in the volume of adult-use flour sold from January 2021 versus December 2021. While the National Law Review had nothing good to say about Public Act 55, the new law requiring cannabis businesses to become insured by in-state admitted insurers. The law review states the most obvious problem with SB 461 and Public Act 55 is the requirement that insurance policies may be issued only by licensed or admitted insurance companies in Michigan. Now that limits who cannabis businesses can obtain insurance from and puts restrictions on companies switching carriers. The law review characterizes the new law as a quote, leap before you look decision that is likely to cause unintended problems for the state's cannabis businesses. The law is the result of bipartisan legislation originating in the Michigan Senate from May of last year. The law review states, And I quote, legislating insurance requirements in a highly regulated and evolving industry characterized by unknown risks should only happen when all stakeholders have been heard, end quote. When all stakeholders have been heard is the mantra we've been pushing in regards to legislation potentially affecting patients and caregivers in Michigan. Now let's hope that lesson is taken to heart. Now, how important is cannabis to America? It's now the fifth most valuable crop in the USA. And we don't even have all the states participating yet. Nationally, in the value scale, cannabis ranked behind corn, soybeans, wheat, and hay. And wheat and hay are basically grasses, too, just saying. But what about the Great Lakes state? Cannabis ranks third in the most lucrative cash crop ranking here in Michigan, according to a great article by Cheyenne at Gray Wall Law. It falls behind only corn and soybeans. Director Brisboe confirmed there are 36,000 Michigan residents employed in the cannabis industry today. Now final story. I happen to know someone who lives and loves in the city of Grand Haven, but their mayor Catherine McNally is a complete idiot. Grand Haven has a medical marijuana business ordinance, but the mayor hates recreational cannabis. She hates it so much She's willing to break the law. Now, when city council took up the issue of a recreational cannabis ordinance, they referred it to the city's planning commission, which is a typical move among cities looking into the issue. Now, that angered McNally, who wanted the issue to be dead on arrival. She was so angry that on January 3rd of this year, she asked council to put a proposal on the ballot for this May asking the city's residents if they want recreational cannabis sales in their community. Problem is, that's not legal. Proposals can only be placed on the ballot as a result of a petition drive by the people, not because a city official has a hissy fit. Council members outed McNally as being a cannabis hater. Her comments in council records indicate she believes recreational cannabis goes against the community's value system... But during the 2018 election, 55.5% of Grand Haven citizens approved the legalization proposal we put forth, and it passed in all four of Grand Haven's city districts. Now, don't forget, Muskegon adult-use retailers are delivering lots and lots of cannabis to Grand Haven residents, so the only thing McNally's rant is doing is preventing the success of the medical-only shops already established in her town. Now, maybe next election, 55.5% of the voters in Grand Haven will elect someone else to be mayor. Now, in the meantime, we'll keep an eye on this issue. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson for Weed Talk News.
1: The Show Me state apparently wants to be shown freedom with psychoactives. While cannabis advocates in Missouri are working to legalize the plant for adult use, the state's GOP is proposing a bill to allow for other psychedelic medical treatments. Republican Representative Michael Davis filed legislation this week to allow people with serious illnesses access to a range of psychedelics like psilocybin and LSD a progressive showing from the show me state of allowing more access to its residents. Brandon Jones takes a closer look in this week's Missouri report. Hey
10: everybody. It's Brandon Jones from distribution maven with Missouri Canners Report for Weed Talk News. And yeah, we can't believe it plants over pills, victory number two here in Missouri. Let's go. So yeah, we want to bring psychedelics here to see how we can help all of those people that are dealing with those illnesses that cannabis can't help. So we all know that, you know, cannabis is, Is does a lot of help with a lot of different ailments, but psychedelics and psilocybin can definitely help with a lot of others. So, I just wanted to talk a little bit about last year's sales, my first show of the year. So, I appreciate everybody. Thanks for letting me come, come back. Uh, Missouri ended last year with 215 million in annual sales, and if you can believe it, last December jumped up to almost 29 million in sales for the year. Right now, we're doing over 140, 181 dispensaries in the state. 41 sorry cultivation license and 58 different uh, manufacturing sites. So Missouri is taking off growing rapidly and I'm very excited to see what's here to come in 22. The biggest topic for the state is recreational use. There are two different bills that have both been proposed and look to come up forward on the ballot in November uh, to see how we can get recreational use passed here in Missouri as well too. One does actually include the impulgement uh, of all the people that have been incarcerated for cannabis crimes to get them instantly released as well. So that's a big thing here in Missouri that we're looking forward to rec use. And obviously we're talking about psilocybins. So get ready, getting ready for the weekend and the Chiefs also here in, Cam- uh, in Missouri, we have a couple different uh, places where you can actually consume. So I'm gonna be at the Funky Stunk in Gladstone taking my glasses here. If you've seen these guys, they pop right off your glasses and have my uh, devices with me and ready to go at a consumption party here in the state of Missouri to watch the Chiefs game this weekend. So go Chiefs, go Missouri, and let's keep cannabis going. Thanks again. Brandon Jones with Distribution Maven the Cannabis Report for We Talk News.
1: It's been almost a year since the state of New Jersey legalized cannabis, but lawmakers still haven't given any timeline to when people will actually be able to purchase weed. Garden State Law says the first day for adult use sales is supposed to happen on February 22nd. The catch is the state's cannabis regulatory commission still hasn't issued any licenses. And that means even if retail approval goes on as planned right now, there won't actually be any shops selling it. 4 seed to sale, medical dispensaries have applied to also start selling product to anyone over 21. And some, like Cure Relief, say they're ready to start sales at any moment. But when lawmakers will give the green light is anyone's guess. Sticking with the East Coast, let's check in with Claudia Post in Pennsylvania.
11: I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'm here in the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, reporting for Weed Talk News. First up, January 7th, True Leaf Cannabis opened up their 160th owned, operated, or affiliated dispensary right here in Philadelphia. That's a lot of stores, 160. Wow. And last week, I spoke about drug testing for non-essential employee employers, pardon me. Um, now our city council passed that law prohibiting those employers for non-essential businesses to drug test. The reason that this happened was many of the folks who use medical marijuana for their various diseases, i.e. autism, uh, have a double whammy. They have a problem because they have an issue. And now they have a problem because, you know, they're tested for their medicine. And now we don't have to worry about that anymore because our wonderful city council changed that law. I'm very excited. Next is Josh Shapiro, our attorney general right here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh, he is a gubernatorial hopeful. He tweeted, New York and New Jersey have legalized marijuana. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and in Pennsylvania, pardon me, the majority of Pennsylvanians support recreational marijuana legalization. In fact, six in 10 adults support complete legalization in the Commonwealth. So as Josh Shapiro says, let's get it done in Pennsylvania. I'm Claudia Post reporting for We Talk News.
1: In Maine, some dispensary owners are growing more worried about a saturated market. The owner of Portland Greenhouse says he was already worried about saturation when Portland first proposed rules that would have restricted the market to 20 retail licenses. Then voters passed a referendum that eliminated that cap, as well as a required buffer zone between competitors. Now, some shops are sharing walls and think 2022 will only bring in more competition, but it seems as though some businesses like Portland Greenhouse are taking the high road, looking to work alongside and with their competitors rather than against them. Traveling over to Vermont now, Jessie Lynn Dolan has this week's Green Nurse Report.
12: I'm Jessie Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the Weed Talk News Vermont Report. It's the start of the 2022 legislative session And Vermont's Cannabis Control Board has told lawmakers that they'll need about a dozen new staff members to properly administer the state's new retail cannabis laws. Lawmakers have also just dropped a bunch of new cannabis-related bills, leaving six bills currently to be addressed, covering a wide range of issues. One of the most important and carried over from last year's session was written by the Vermont Racial Justice Alliance. This bill would reduce license fees for social equity applicants, establish a cannabis business development fund to provide low interest rate loans and grants to social equity applicants, and establish the community social equity program. Other bills would do things like tax cannabis wholesalers annual gross receipts over $5 million, regulate licensed small cannabis cultivation as farming, give communities more control to assess local licensing fees and give 60% of the cannabis excise tax revenue over to the financially strapped Vermont State College systems. The new proposed medical bill would increase plant counts, allow caregivers to support two patients, eliminate the requirement that caregivers be fingerprinted and remove the necessary second sign off for PTSD diagnoses. Vermont Senator Sears is proposing several sweeping changes, including, but not limiting to, amending the list of prohibited cannabis products, allowing CBD to be added to cannabis products, making solid concentrates, oils, and tinctures exempt from the 50 milligram limit per package, and prohibit dispensaries from manufacturing cannabis concentrates by chemical extraction using butane or hexane. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan. If you live in Massachusetts, you might
1: see a robotic bud tender on your next trip to the dispensary. Wings, an emerging robotics and AI startup, has developed an autonomous retail system that it plans to put to use at Collective Cannabis in Littleton. It's essentially a machine that's already stocked with product, allowing users to come up and order like a vending machine or pick up their product from an online order, all without ever having to go to the counter. With more from the Bay State, Ron Marshall C has our Massachusetts
13: report. I'm Ron Marshall C with the Massachusetts Cannabis Report for We Talk News veteran owned CNA Stores in Amesbury was able to make a significant donation to the Veterans Northeast Outreach Center because of the waived 3% community impact fee by the mayor and town of Amesbury. The donation amounted to $116,202, and it was all to support the mission of the outreach center serving all of Massachusetts, including Amesbury, where the company headquarters and one of their two retail stores are located. Cannabis Insider Live will hold its New England virtual event on Wednesday, January 26th, with industry leaders and experts set to discuss the Massachusetts cannabis business. Set for 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the 26th, the event will also offer discussion on best practices among business leaders in the burgeoning industry across Massachusetts, Connecticut, and the New England region. Cannabis Insider Live said in a statement, There will also be opportunity to network with industry leaders and -and up-and-comers, showcase area businesses, and gather new ideas, toolkits, and roadmaps for launching and growing a successful business. Tickets for the New England virtual event are available on Cannabis Insider's website. And finally, Lantern, one of the leading on-demand cannabis e-commerce marketplace and home delivery platforms in the U.S., announced today they experienced 350% year-over-year growth. This is following the expansion of its on-demand marketplace delivery platform into Colorado and Michigan. And in July 2021, Lantern became the first adult-use delivery platform to launch in Massachusetts and serve the greater Boston area. Since then, the company has secured partnerships with numerous local dispensaries and couriers, including Sanctuary, Cultivate, Freshly Baked, Netta, Garden Remedies, INSA, and Theory Wellness. That's this week's Massachusetts Cannabis Report. For Weed Talk News, I'm Ron Marshallsey.
1: And finally, researchers at Massachusetts General Hospital say they've developed a non-invasive brain imaging procedure as an objective and reliable way to identify people under the influence of THC. The technique uses imaging technology to measure brain activation patterns that correlate to impairment from THC intoxication. This could have some implications for improving highway and workplace safety. And this week on Green Rush Live, our own Jimmy Young chats with John Carmichael, the police chief of Newton, Massachusetts, about just how soon the law may start testing for high drivers. But until then, that's it for this week's episode of Weed Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto. See you next time. And remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there, so use it responsibly.
0: Media Programming is available live and on demand on our Facebook page at Pro canna Media, on Instagram at ProCannabis Media, on LinkedIn, also at ProCannabis Media, on YouTube and YouTube Live on ProCannabis Media, Twitter at ProCanna Media, and on twitch.tv backslash procannabismedia. So like, share, and subscribe to all of our content, newsletters, and shows live or on demand.